I mean, it seems kind of biblical, right? Open our Bibles on a Sunday. Look at you. That's a nice Bible cover. Anybody have Bible tabs? Y'all remember Bible tabs? Whoa, Christy, that, that's a sweet Bible. Check that thing out. Can you lift that one up? That's the Cadillac of Bibles right there. Nice. All right, Matthew chapter 6 uh, is where we will be. Matthew chapter 6. Uh, let's see, anybody got a Bible pen? You got a pen out there? Anybody got a pen? Yeah, ready to take some notes? Uh, how about a sermon buddy? Anybody got a sermon buddy out there? Yeah. Uh, if you'd like a sermon buddy, just raise your hand and one of our ushers will bring you one of those wonderful sermon buddies. Helps you go through the message as we walk through the scriptures. And as you know, verse by verse exposition, we get into the text. Uh, and we will be picking up in verse 19. I wanted to draw your attention to something. As we went through the month of December, I drew attention to uh, end of year giving. And um, I just wanted to show you this. This is what our last offering was at the end of the year. You all came together. No, we can clap at that. Yes. <laughs> uh, incredible, incredible spirit of generosity. Um, this is one of our, our best year of end, uh, year end givings. And as long as I can really remember. And, and last year was, it was, there were some lean months. And uh, you all stepped up at the end of the year. And uh, this really sets a foundation uh, for 2022. And so thank you. Thank you very much for your generosity. And uh, I just wanted you all to have an opportunity to see that. Now, over the past few years, and some of us have been together for a long, long time. And uh, some of you all remember that your pastor was a little heavier uh, a few years ago. And I, don't, I didn't really think I was that much heavier until I see like an old picture. You ever see like an old picture and you're like, somebody should have told me. <laughs> Someone should have just pulled me aside and been like, hey, uh, Pastor C, check this out, man. Um, we're about 70 pounds uh, lighter. Uh, occasionally I will wear skinny jeans. Uh, and every now and then my boys will tell me that I look drippy, um, which I think is a compliment, right? Is that a compliment? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I'm so hip, right? <laughs> At least my boys think so. Um, and some have asked occasionally, they're like, so how did you do it? You know, uh, you're not going to like the answer, right? Like diet and exercise, right? Like, yeah. No, no, no. Um, but what if I told you this is all I did? I exercised one hour a week, and I only ate one healthy meal a week. And look what happened. Y'all wouldn't believe that, right? Because we all know. Like, one hour a week of exercise and one healthy meal followed by an entire week of unhealthy meals is, is not enough. Well, I want to I stress, there's a lot of correlation between our physical life and our spiritual life. There's a lot of connection between our physical life and our, our spiritual life. And, and if we're only spiritually exercising, if we're only getting one healthy spiritual meal a week, that's not going to be enough. It just isn't. Uh, that's not going to be enough to be in fit spiritual condition and to be growing spiritually. And, and there's a progressive work in our Christian life. And, and part of that is we, we gather together. And I would assume that we are gathered here this morning because we want to grow spiritually. And we're being invited to really sit at Jesus' feet. And as you all remember, we're in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And it all began as Jesus walked up that windswept hill of the Sea of Galilee and his disciples trotted on along behind him. And, and Jesus took his rightful seat uh, as the teacher and his disciples came and sat at his feet. Matthew chapter 5 
uh, verses 1 and 2, just reorienting our minds to where we're at. Seeing the crowds. Okay, there were no shortage of crowds in Jesus' earthly ministry, especially in the first roughly year and a half. Seeing the crowds, he went up on a mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. That is the posture. Okay, we don't invite Jesus to come alongside of us. Okay, Jesus, you can come alongside what I'm doing here. No, 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 we come and sit at his feet. And Jesus opened his mouth and he taught them. And so as we look at the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus is doing is he's laying out for us what a life looks like that prioritizes the kingdom of God over the kingdom of self. What does it look like for us to surrender our lives to his will, to surrender our will to the sovereign and perfect will of God? This is what a spiritual life looks like. And in this morning, we're, we're looking at what is essentially Jesus hitting us where it hurts, okay? He's going to start talking about our stuff. Because sometimes the stuff we have, it, it's actually the stuff that has us. It's got its tentacles wrapped around our heart and our souls. And, and Jesus is going to stress this morning that, that the man or woman of God is, is not to be obsessed and, and possessed with possessions, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Uh, and we're going to have to ask the question, are we about the kingdom of this world or the kingdom of God? Jesus is going to say, don't do this. And by the way, Jesus has the authority to tell us what not to do. Do we all agree with that? Yeah, yeah. So Jesus doesn't give recommendations this morning. It's imperatives. He's like, don't do this, but do this. And here's why. I mean, like any good parent, you know, we're telling our kids, don't do this. What's the natural question a kid's going to ask? Why? And well, Jesus is going to tell us why. Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Why? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Oh, wow, this is a heart issue. Verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, that is if it's diseased, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? That looks great. No one. When it says no one, does it mean some? No, it means not a single one. No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one or love the other, or he or she will be devoted to the one uh, and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So Jesus begins with don't do this, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So growing up, I loved the show uh, DuckTales. Any other kids of the 80s in here? Anybody else remember that show? Na, 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 na. DuckTales, woo! Anyway, so the story is as follows. So every day, 3.30 p.m., I'd mix up my cup of Tang. Y'all remember Tang? It gets all hardened and crystallized. Just kind of break it up, and there'd still be chunkies in the water. Anyway, I'd sit down with my cup of Tang, and um, 
3.30, come on, and I'm watching DuckTales. You know, I'm sitting there, and, and here's essentially the storyline. So Donald Duck had three nephews. Donald Duck enlisted in the U.S. Uh, Navy, and so he sent his three nephews, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, to go live with Scrooge McDuck, who was, yeah, Scrooge McDuck, who was like this penny-pinching, uh, uh, let's see how I would describe him, penny-pinching miser of a duck, multi-gajillionaire. Okay, so like absolutely wealthy. He loved to spend his afternoon swimming through his money. This is Scrooge McDuck right there. There he is. He's just swimming through his money. See depth gauge, 90 feet. There's Donald Duck, Huey Dewey, and Lou. And there is Scrooge McDuck just swimming through. And, and he was obsessed. Absolutely obsessed and consumed with riches and accumulating more and more riches. All the while, the Beagle Brothers... Uh, I don't know if you remember the Beagle Brothers. Anyway, uh, an armed group of blundering canine bank thieves uh, spent their, their whole, well, basically the whole episode trying to steal Scrooge McDuck's money. But here's the deal. Scrooge McDuck lived, ate, drank, breathed, accumulating more and more. And you know what? We can all be like Scrooge McDuck, can't we? We can live our life about accumulating more and more. I mean, just this week, right, like we heard, two winning tickets for the Powerball, $630 million. I'm sure there's nobody in here who's ever thought about, like, what would it be like to receive a check of, for $300 million, right? I mean, I'm, you know, I, I'd keep it pretty humble, right? Like, I'd, I'd first pay off the bills, right? Like, that's the common one. And I'd buy, a, you know, a small little house, only like 14,000 square feet, and, and a small helipad. I mean, the helipad I would use, it would be, well, for my helicopter, because I can't drive anymore. Uh, and I would buy um, a jet, private jet, but it'd be used, and a private island. <laughs> just real salt-of-the-earth type stuff, right? Like, just real humble. Um, but we start to envision, like, what would it be like? And Jesus is like, hey, don't be consumed with that. That's actually going to rip you off spiritually. Jesus references treasure. We, we call it stuff. And he references the threefold destroyer of earthly treasure, moth, rust, and thieves. You see, moths eat everything that's made of cloth. Rust and rot destroys everything made of metal and wood. And thieves carry everything else off. And so the question we have to ask, why should we not prioritize earthly treasure? Why should we not prioritize earthly treasure? Well, the first reason is because it's temporary. It's temporary. It's terminally temporary. I mean, that's why he says uh, moth, rust, and thieves. Everything rips and tarnishes and fades. That brand new car, oh, that's a brand new car, and then you get the first scratch on your brand new car, and then all of a sudden it's that old car. And, uh, I can't drive around this rust bucket. It corrodes and corrupts and crashes. We've got the ever-inflating almighty dollar progressively purchasing less and less. Everything on earth is temporary. It's all terminally temporary. Well, it's not just our stuff. Our very life is temporary. Our very lives are temporary. I love this parable. It's the parable of the rich fool. Uh, and it may surprise you, Jesus taught quite a few parables, and he, he had an awful lot of teaching as it relates to money and our stuff. And, and the reason why is because uh, it's not new. We, we have historically, from the very beginning, been consumed with stuff. And, and this parable, I want you to, to flip over in the right, to the right in your Bible. It's found in Luke's Gospel. It's found in chapter 12 of Luke, uh, starting in verse 16. Uh, hold on one second. Let me get there in my... My Bible here. 
Yeah. He told them a parable. Saying that the land of a rich man produced plentifully. Isn't that the story, right? The rich just keep getting richer. And, and uh, he thought to himself, self... What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. I mean, this is a great opportunity. Wow, I could leverage these resources for kingdom work. I, I could give to the poor. I mean, what a great opportunity. But that's not at all what was on the heart of this man. And he said to himself, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And, and there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I'll move out to East Texas and enjoy a big, expansive ranch. And I'll say to myself, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. Doesn't that sound nice? Oh. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you've prepared, whose will they be? So it is, one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. It's often said, right, there's no U-Haul behind a hearse on its way to the grave. You just can't take it with you. Because not only is our stuff utterly and terminally temporary, but so are we. And so the question is, you know, Jesus says, don't do this. What are we to do? Matthew 6, verse 20. So flip back to Matthew's gospel, chapter 6, verse 20. He says this. Instead of laying up for yourself treasure on earth, he says, no, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. That Jesus is offering us an eternal investment strategy. That we would store up for ourselves treasures, not here on earth, but in heaven. And, and the question that I asked this week as I was studying this passage, I was like, Lord, what are, what are treasures in heaven and how do I invest in heaven? Well, the Bible is filled with passages that speak of eternal rewards that await the man or woman of God who live a life of faithfulness. And I think there can be this kind of sense of like almost a false humility, like, well, it's not about being rewarded. But in, in some aspects, it really is. Like, we should really think about like, hey, I want to live a life that is rewarded. I do want to live a faithful life. In fact, Jesus begins the Sermon on the Mount with the ninefold blessings. We call it the Beatitudes. Those are blessings, not only in this life, but more specifically in the life to come. Nine times in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, chapters 5 through 7, Jesus references rewards for living a faithful life. So this tells me every time that we walk in faithfulness, a little deposit is made in heaven. Every time we invest earthly resources into kingdom work, that investment that you made at the end of the year, that investment that you make into the ministry of the church, a little deposit is made in heaven. Husbands, every time you love your wife, a little deposit is made in heaven. Wives, every time you honor your husbands, a little deposit is made in heaven. Dads, moms, every time you sit down and you, you open the Bible with your kids, there's a little deposit that's made in heaven. Every time that you share the gospel 
or, or obey the Lord, where you're just like, I know God's calling me to do this, but I don't want to do it. It's, oh, it's so scary, but all of a sudden we do it anyway. A little deposit is made in heaven. Every time you put the Lord's will in front of your own, a deposit is made. And here's what's interesting. We sometimes have this idea that, yeah, there may be deposits, but every time I'm failing, the account's wiped clean. That is not the case. Every little deposit that you make, moth, rust, and thieves can't touch it. And, and here's what's crazy. We serve a God of compounding interest. And, and here's what I mean by that. All those little deposits over a lifetime, it leads to a heavenly compounding investment portfolio that will pay for eternity. Why? Why should we prioritize heavenly treasure? Well, first, it's eternal. It's eternal. Moth and rust can't destroy it. Thieves can't touch it. Treasure in heaven will be enjoyed for eternity. That there is an account that is opened. It is opened in your name. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. And in that little ledger is, is a record of these, these acts of faithfulness. We're told at the, at the Bema seat of Christ, at the judgment seat of Christ, that we will be rewarded for faithfulness in this life. I believe that is what was on the mind of Paul the Apostle when he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. He's talking about enjoying heavenly treasure for eternity. Paul says this, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That is the foundation of our, our spiritual life. Every one of us who have placed our faith in the Lord Jesus, there's that, that foundation that is Jesus. Okay? That is when our name was inscribed in the Lamb's Book of Life. That is, in effect, when our eternal investment account was opened. That's pretty sweet. And then Paul says this, Now if anyone builds on the foundation gold, silver, precious stones, those three things survive fire. Okay? Then he references three things that don't. Wood, hay, and straw. These are things that burn. Verse 13, Paul says this, Each one's work will become manifest. It will be revealed. For the day, that day will disclose it. That is the day we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And our life is going to be winnowed down. The ledger is effectively going to be opened. If the work that anyone has, verse 14, has built on the foundation survives, he will receive what? What will you receive, verse 14? What will you receive? A reward. What is that? That's treasure in heaven. You will receive this treasure that has been stored up in heaven. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he or she will be saved, but only as through fire. And so a few observations. The first is this. If you do not have the foundation that is Christ, okay, you will pass through a fire and there will be nothing left. Okay? Your eternal soul will be separated from the living God. That is what the Bible describes as hell. Apart from Christ, there is no eternal life. The second observation that, that I'm, I'm making here as I look at this passage is uh, some will live a life that I'll call like the skin of the teeth investment strategy. 
You know, like, yeah, I, I received Christ. Like, I remember that day where I gave my life to Jesus. But you know what? I chose to live the rest of my life serving myself, my own purposes, my own plans, my own goals. I just kind of rattled on with my life, just plowing through life, and I, I never really made any investments in, in heaven. And that is the skin of the teeth. Yes, you pass through the fire. There's not going to be any rewards remaining. And the Lord is like, okay, you're safe. Come on in. I have nothing to present before the Lord. And then there are those who consider the long-term rewards and start to strategize for eternity. And this, by the way, is not like a 90-minute timeshare deal. Y'all, know, y'all ever made the mistake of agreeing to that? Ah, oh, it's only 90 minutes, slash like 300 minutes. Anyway, that's not what this is. This is literally the most honest, important investment strategizing meeting you've ever been a part of. Like at this moment, what is being laid before you is really an internal investment opportunity. Everybody's like, crypto, oh, crypto, crypto, crypto. I'm like, really? That's your, that's your eternal investment strategy? How about heaven treasure? And what we discover is what we prioritize is what actually has our hearts. And that's really the heart of the issue. I want you to underline this in your Bible. I want you to highlight it, and I want you to put it to memory. It's one of those verses I want you to put to memory. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, what we treasure in this life is what has our uh, affections and our obsessions, our love and devotion. You see, Jesus will either come first or something else will come first. He will, have our, he will either have our hearts or he won't. And, and Jesus says it's an eye issue, actually. And this is the second time he talks about the eye uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. The first is, is, is this picture of, like, if you, if you see yourself looking at a woman with lustful intent, pluck your eyeball out. Right? Like, if you're looking at something, if you're obsessing over it, if it's leading you away from the Lord, pluck your eye. And he's not talking about the eye, he's talking about the heart. And what Jesus says here is now the eye is the lamp of the body, and in the ancient Eastern thinking, the eye was really the picture of the whole of the life. It was the direction of the life. And what Jesus is saying, and he's going to say is, what is the direction of your life headed right now? What is the trajectory like, if you took your life to the, the ultimate conclusion, like, you keep going the same way you're going right now, where does it end? If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. That is, if you're prioritizing the kingdom, you're focused on Christ, then your life is going to be filled with light. But... If your eye is bad, that is diseased, if the trajectory of your life is not headed towards Christ, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? It's incredible how deceiving darkness is. You know, a friend of mine just recently had surgery on his eyes. Uh, he told me the story. It's incredible. Like, took a laser, a laser, 
and just kind of like shot all the stuff out of his eyeballs that was not supposed to be there, which I think is really cool. Lasers are cool. I think lasers are awesome. Um, I, love, I would love the idea of playing with a laser. You wouldn't want me playing with a laser. I'd probably do something very dangerous with a laser. I like a laser pointer. Anyway, I'm going to stop yammering. <laughs> stop, Chris, stop. But he told me, he said, it was amazing. I went out and the sky was so blue. See, it become very normal having all that plaque built up on the eye and how normal it becomes to have all that darkness built up in our life. You see, we spend all of our life in a world that is progressively more and more, not just secular, but anti-Christian. And those thoughts start to permeate our minds and that thinking becomes our thinking and the purposes become our purposes. And all of a sudden, a life that should be filled with light in Christ is now filled with darkness. Family, you've got to hold on to this. The kingdom of this world is darkness. It really is. But the kingdom of heaven is light. That is why Jesus says in John 8, 12, he spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in what? Darkness, but will have the light of life. You know, before I became a believer, I didn't have a choice. I was going to walk in darkness. That's all I knew. That's all I had the capacity for. But when I began to follow Jesus, that's when I truly had a choice, and I still do today. Will I walk in darkness, or will I walk in light? Did you know that the children of light can spend an incredible amount of time in darkness? That is why we can be in the church, yet progressively get more and more spiritually sick. So the question is, what are we prioritizing? Who or what comes first? When push comes to shove, who gets the priority? That is why Jesus declares, and, and really the conclusion of our, our, our thought this morning out of the scriptures, no one can serve two masters, for he or she will hate the one and love the other, or he or she will be devoted to the one and despise the other. This is love and devotion stuff. You can't serve God and money. I don't think any of us are like, I serve money. Like, I don't do that. I would never do that. Then insert for money, insert whatever it is that comes before Jesus. Whatever become, comes before the kingdom of God in your life. What is the priority? What comes first? And you know, as I thought about that this week, I'm amazed by how such little things can get in the way of the most important things. How such little things can get in the way of the most important things. Uh, things like uh, going to church or attending a Bible study or daily having time in the scripture and prayer. How about prioritizing a Christ-centered marriage or raising our kids in the faith or getting help with that particular issue? How about giving generously to the church or serving? Little things get in the way of the most important things. You know, I had a, uh, a parent one time tell me that their kids play select sports. Because we were talking about church, and, he, and they were like, oh, I would love to go. But you know what? And we're traveling all the time. Our kids play select sports. And I'm sitting there, and I was talking to them, and we're talking like 10 years. And I'm like, 
you can't go to church for 10 years. And, and I think what, what was kind of below the surface was this idea, well, select sports lead to an elite college. And from an elite college, professional sports. And I'm like, wait a second. So your kid goes pro. What happened to their soul? What happened to your soul? What happened to the generations that will follow you? There used to be a generation that we would look back on and go, Grandma and Grandpa, they studied their Bible. They were in the Word. They set the spiritual tone for the family. But then the baton gets handed off to the next generation, the next generation, the next generation. You want to know one of the more troubling statements in the book of Judges? I was just reading that with the boys. In the book of Judges, the, the children of Israel were faithful during the life of Joshua and the life of the elders that, that were beyond, that, that lived after Joshua. But once that generation died, the next generation came up who did not know the Lord. And I read that and I'm like, what happened? Somebody stopped handing it off. Somebody stopped prioritizing it. And all of a sudden, a generation raises up, rises up, and they don't know the Lord. You see, little things get in the way of, of some of the more important things. I hope people, you know, I'm sleepy on Sundays. You know, I just need a little me time. I have never actually met a person who stopped prioritizing church to come back later and go, you know what? That was a good idea. <laughs> no, they usually come dragging in these doors, beaten up. And they're loved, you know. They're welcome home. It's like the picture of the prodigal. Pig slop and vomit. Oh, how many of my father's servants have food to the full and they come back home. Little things. They get in the way of the more important. I, you know, I, I just can't open my Bible. I mean, you know how much this, the cover weighs? I just can't do it. But I can stream six episodes of Yellowstone. Zone out on YouTube, play Candy Crush for three hours every day. Thank you. Yeah, you're saying what I'm saying is right on. You agreeing with that? Thanks, Caden. I just got an amen from this young man. Yeah. Hey, by the way, we can chatter too. Like, you can talk to me. Like, this isn't just like one-way communication. I mean, we can have a conversation. Anybody else want to talk right now? That was awesome. Thank you. Uh, but I just can't get into the Bible. You know? I'm not much of a reader. Ah, this is so hard. Little thing. I can't spend time with my family. I got to work 50, 60, 70 hours a week. Really? I can't give 10% to the church. I don't know that kind of coin. You know, I started doing some, just some basic numbers, crunching numbers. The average American, you, how many of y'all love the average American stuff? I don't like to admit how real it is, right? So the average American spends, what, like 100 bucks on coffee? Uh, a, a month. I was about to say a week. Anybody in here a week? Wow. Uh, $232 on eating out. Uh, entertainment, 250 bucks. 
Ladies, <laughs> really? Really? 270 bucks at Ulta? Oh, more? Okay, uh, golf, fishing, and hunting? We have no idea. <laughs> Guys, we have no idea. I'm sure it's very little. I'll meet you all for tea time next week. <laughs> well, average giving to the church. Oh, wait a second. 37% uh, nothing. 58% something. And it's 5%. That if you were a, a faithful tither, like you really do faithfully give, you're in the 5 percentile. And typically those who give generously, they give above and beyond that. Because they understand something. Uh, the average giving in the church is roughly $73 a month. We, we give more to Starbucks than we do to the work of the ministry. See, it, what I'm not doing, it's not like, oh, I knew the church is all about my money. No, no, Jesus is all about our hearts. And what it's doing is it shows us in one tangible way how our priorities can be oriented around not the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of ourselves. And, and like I said, this is all about the heart. And so be careful. That's what Jesus is saying. He's like, be careful because the stuff you, you have and it, you accumulate can actually have you. And it can have your heart. What do you put first? That's where we're going to pick up uh, next week. Because then Jesus is going to turn our, our minds and our, our thinking and our spiritual life towards this. Seek first the kingdom of God. And these other things will be added to you. So a few applications uh, to conclude this morning. First, and one hour is not enough. It, it's just not enough. If you want to get healthy... But you eat only one healthy meal a week, right? And the rest of the week, it's like donuts, cake. I made a just because cake. You ever do that? Okay, so I got to confess. So yesterday, I, I was sitting on the couch, and I was just talking to Madeline. And all of a sudden, mid-conversation, mind you, I just pop up off the couch. And I'm in the pantry because I remembered a box of cake mixes in there. So I start making a cake, and I was like, I've never made a bun cake, so I'm making a bun cake. And um, then I'm like, homemade buttercream frosting. Who doesn't love homemade buttercream frosting? Which, by the way, is basically butter, sugar, that's it. Um, well, and some vanilla. Yeah, well, I put some, I put some uh, 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 cream cheese in there, because there just wasn't enough fat. So I was like, I need cream cheese. And, and uh, yes. Oh. See, like I said, we're having a conversation. It's good. Because buttercream wouldn't have the cream cheese. Yeah, cream cheese is better. Anyway, so I make this cream cheese frosting, and I smother, I mean smother, right? Like not a thin veneer. I'm talking like I'm caking it on there. And uh, Joe is next to me, and he's eating spoonfuls of it, you know, and we're just, I'm like, ha-ha, licking the bowl. Um, and then I get upset because somebody ate all the chocolate chips because it needed chocolate chips. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it didn't have enough. And I'm literally stomping around, the, who ate the chocolate chips? And, and two of my younger boys were like, ah. <laughs> and I, I got way too mad about that. I just need to confess that out loud. 
and um, this just because cake. And then, and then we ate that before dinner. And then we went to a potluck, and I ate four cookies, two pieces of lemon cake, and, well, there was... <laughs> I ate some other food, too. But it was delicious. But if I did that every single day, am I going to be physically healthy? No. And if I only exercise one hour a week, I'm not going to be physically healthy. Well, here's the deal. We have talked about spiritual stuff, and here's what happens in my own personal life. I'm going to get down on the floor because, y'all, I am not above anybody. I can walk out of here every single week after teaching the scriptures, we've been in the word, and I can go spend a week out in the world and never think about it. And I can go the entire week. And I get to the end of the week, and I am spiritually beat up. Why? Because I'm not putting the kingdom first. I mean, I am, mine. Um, and it jacks up my heart every time. One hour is not enough, and, and we all know that. And so let's, let's prioritize a little bit more time this week. Secondly, watch your eye, um, which I thought was kind of a funny way of saying it, watch your eye. Y'all think that's creative? I know, I'm really creative. Um, that's the best I've got. I've, yeah. Um, what are we focused on? That's it. What are you focused on this week? Things of this world or the things of the kingdom? And that doesn't mean we can't buy coffee. Right? Pastor Chris said I can't go to Starbucks no more. That's not what I'm saying. I can't drive a nice car. You can. Enjoy. The Lord tells us to enjoy the things he provides. Every good and perfect thing comes down from him. But what is the priority? What are you focused on? And then finally, who has your heart? Um, I want to give you a little bit of opportunity this, this morning, now afternoon, um, to have some heart heart uh, surgery. I think some of us right now probably need a little bit of time to just kind of sit. So at the end of the service, we're, you can just spend a few moments in here, but we, we have a prayer room. How many of y'all knew that? We have a prayer room. Oh, most of you. Cool. Why aren't you ever going in there? <laughs> Shouldn't have raised my hand. Never raising my hand again. Um, it's a really peaceful place. And, and so maybe tonight or this afternoon, you just got some stuff where you're like, okay, I, I need to spend some time before I get back out into the world. I want to encourage you to spend some time in there. We've got some prayer partners that will pray with you. Um, but we're about to re ready to go into the world. And so let's pray. Lord, thank you for your grace and uh, for your holy word. You tell us what we need to hear, not necessarily what we want to hear, but it is so good for our soul. And, and uh, Lord, please uh, do the miracle work of of uh, orienting my heart towards your kingdom. Lord, if you don't work in me, I'm, I'm just not going to, to have that desire, that appetite. Stir in me a hunger and a thirst for righteousness that it can only be satisfied by you, Jesus, because you are the one who satisfies our souls. Uh, Lord, we're convinced that other things will, but Lord, your word is so true. You will satisfy our soul. And so, Lord, this week, uh, allow us to orient our hearts towards that. Lead us to your throne, and uh, Lord, we will be satisfied. We love you, Jesus. You know me, pray. Amen. All right, family, let's stand together and stretch. Yeah. Nice, Cher. What up? What up, Gary? What up, dude?
My Encinitas homie. Nice. But it's time to go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. And share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Till we meet again, same time, same place next week. And do not forget, family, you are loved. Now let's love one another. Okay, don't scamper on out of here too quick. Let's lavish love and let's get outside these doors and let's go love the rest of the world. Amen? All right, have a great Sunday.